What's going on guys? Michigan State wins in basketball, football, and hockey. It's the first day that's happened in 19 years since 2001. Since 2001 that's happened. So it's a great day to be a Spartan. Let's get into what took place first and that's football. Michigan State defeated and knocked off number 8 Northwestern 29-20 off of Rocky Lombardi's I guess decently good performance, great great performance when needed to be, um, when he needed to make the plays, and that's all that mattered. Throwing two touchdowns, going 11 for 27 with two touchdowns and one interception, finished with a QBR of 84. Solid game all around for Rocky. Um, I know the stats don't show up, but when needed to be great, he was good. He when needed to be good, he was great. So let's get into my three players of the game. Um, Shakir Brown, guys, he had two interceptions. Again, that has that adds him to five on the year. He's been absolutely balling this year. I don't think anyone would have, I don't think anyone would not have expected it, but not to this extent. Um, like I said, Shakir Brown, two interceptions. Matt Coughlin, ladies and gentlemen, what a great bounce back year he has had. He made he went three for four with field goals. He made three of them for twenty two yards, forty four yards, and the final one, which was huge. Of 48 yards. He missed a 50 or 51 yarder barely, but it turned out it didn't matter. He made the three that he needed to make. And the third player, like I just mentioned, Rocky Lombardi, threw two touchdowns. That first touchdown, I just want to get this out of the way. I mean, sorry, guys. That first touchdown he threw, was there a more piss poor booth call on that touchdown? And I was watching the game and I, I didn't even get excited. I was kind of like laughing because I'm like, is this a touch? It was kind of out of nowhere. They just came out of the. They went three and out the series before in the span of a minute. You get the ball back first play, throws an 80-yarder, and the booth call was just terrible. I don't even know who either of the announcers were, but it was awful. I um, just want to get that out of the way. Like I said, he threw two touchdowns, and what a lot of people aren't talking about, and I think they need to, he also rushed for 65 yards yesterday, guys. Rocky Lombardi he had a great game on the ground. That's, of course, the last one to basically clinch the game. Oh, not clinch it, but essentially... Put put the game out of reach for Northwestern when it was third and eight or third and ten from Michigan State's I don't know was it thirty five yard line or something he ran like a fifteen yard to the fifty got like clobbered at the end but I mean you guys saw in the back I just saw the reaction the sign they were all hyped like I don't know he just seems to put his body on the line when it matters kind of how Lewerke was when he ran it although I feel like Lewerke slid earlier like Rocky will take that hit. <laughs> Got to give it to him for that. So additional 65 yards on the ground. Now, we'll get into basketball for a second. We're going to talk about both in this episode. So Michigan State defeated Notre Dame 80-70 to um, yesterday, last night. Just a weird game over. I didn't get to watch any of the game. Um, if you guys didn't know, I haven't really told anyone, but I just moved. And our new house doesn't get the Big Ten Network. I was trying all day to get it on my laptop. Just couldn't access it. Worst thing, worst, um, you know, worst scenario is I actually sprained the the hell out of my ankle last night, guys. Sprained it so bad, so I, I literally almost passed out at halftime because I just I don't know if I was losing blood or what was happening, but I had to wrap it and it still hurts. Um, I literally couldn't move, so I didn't get to watch any of the game. So that's why my updates were kind of piss poor last night. If anyone noticed, didn't really post any, excuse me, any updates besides the final and halftime. So just want to get that out of the way. 80-70, to 70, like I said. My three players of the game last night, pretty easy three to go off, or pretty easy three to, you know, if you saw the stats, watch any of the highlights to just pick out right away. First up, Rocket Watts. He had 13 points, six assists off the bench. 
Um, Joey Hauser, my second player, having 16 rebounds. I thought for a second he might get 30 in there. 16 rebounds and added 10 points. Um, he didn't shoot the ball at all, good at all from downtown. I can't remember the stat. I think he was like one for six or something, but it wasn't good. But great game overall for Joey outside of the three-point shooting. And obviously, Aaron Henry. He dropped 14 points and also added eight assists, which were which I think Aaron Henry played the best last night on our team. You can make the argument, you know, Rocket Watts or Joey Hauser played the best. But I think overall, you know, I, I don't know. You guys can make the argument there. I'm just going off what I thought. I think Henry played great. Obviously, Rocket was by far the best player off the bench. And let me tell you guys, I want to, because a lot of people are like bitching about Rocket coming off the bench. And I understand, you know, I think he should be starting as well, but I'm not mad that Foster's starting. But look, if you guys go look at the stat sheet, because nobody's doing this, go look who played more Rocket Watts or Foster. Foster actually played less minutes than Rocket. So although Rocket came off the bench, it really doesn't matter, guys. If Rocket's playing more minutes, it doesn't matter who the hell's starting. It's basically like the Clippers when they. When they say Lou Williams is the sixth man, he still plays starters minutes. You know, I, I'm not sitting here defending Ro, uh, Foster starting over him. All I'm saying is, yeah, he might have came off the bench, but he didn't play bench minutes. He played, I think, 25 minutes, 20 minutes, something like that. And I think Foster played 17 or something. So, obviously, as you see, Izzo's not treating him like a bench player. He's treating him like a starter. You know, if he's playing 25 minutes, going for 13 and 6, you might as well say he, he's a starter. And I know you can't because he's basically the sixth man right now. Him and Gabe Brown, although Rocket's playing more minutes. I just want to get that all the way and say, although he is coming off the bench, he's playing starters minutes. Um, obviously, like I mentioned, the last thing I want to touch on with basketball, and then we'll, uh, we'll finish with the football, obviously. Um, Michigan State, they're traveling to Durham on Tuesday night. For those that forgot, I know it's already here crazy. They're going to take on number nine Duke Tuesday night. I think it's 9 o'clock on ESPN. Could be wrong. I'll check that. Um, but yeah, I don't really know much about Duke this year. All I know is we're ranked 13th, they're ranked 9th. They have a few stud freshmen as always, Jalen Johnson, who's from IMG Academy. And I really haven't checked their roster. I'm forgetting a lot of names right now. I just cannot think. I think, um, I think Isaiah, no, not Isaiah. I don't know. I don't want to mess names up, but I'll look at the roster. And of course I'll remember every name, but I can't remember now. But just want to say that that game is Tuesday because I saw a few people DM me like, wow, it's already happening. Yes, it's already happening. And then to finish off with football, like I mentioned earlier, I want to talk about this. So Rocky played well enough to win the game, but he still went 11 for 27 and finished with a QBR of 84. Now, I know no one's going to give a damn about that right now because we won and he made the plays needed to when needed to happen. But 11 for 27, guys, is not the best stat line. He also, I didn't add... And I didn't even realize, I looked at the stats and forgot that he threw an interception. I might have missed that one. I was, you know, I had to go get food, so I might have missed that one. But for the most part, I think Rock, the thing that matters most with Rocky last night, guys, is he made the plays that he needed to every single time. Every single time Michigan State needed a first down or whatever it was, he seemed to always make it. And I will give Rocky a lot of credit for that last night. But, and I saw a lot of people... All right, this is also, I want to give Justin credit to Justin Thin, that used to be my co-host. He also mentioned a lot of people are trashing Jay Johnson. I don't know what you guys expect Jay Johnson to do out there. I mean, I'm not saying these players are bad. All I'm saying is he didn't necessarily recruit every offensive player. So if he doesn't trust a guy to do this and that, you can't blame him. Now, 
what coach you can give a lot of blame to, and what, my God, is Ross Ells, a special, special teams head uh, coach, guys. I don't know, and I, I'm not being mean to the guy, but if you guys want to know why Julian Barnett's not playing a lot on defense, that's why. If anyone saw that penalty he made late, late in the game, I'm we got lucky as hell, guys, there. He made a just boneheaded penalty, just basically took out the kick returner. And had an additional 15 yards. Northwestern took over at the 35. They might have made a field goal there. I don't remember. They didn't score a touchdown. But the special teams was a just disaster. And you guys may say that's one play. No. Also, and I, I know Jalen Reed would not make this. Excuse me. Jaden Reed would not make this play unless told so. If you're catching the goddamn punt inside the five-yard line, I, I'm sorry. That's on this coach. That's not on the player. There is no way Jaden ran out there and said, you know, if it's inside the five yard line, let alone ten yard line, I'm gonna fair catch it. So that was another boneheaded play that your special teams coach should tell you before running out there. I know it's all fun and games. We won the game, but if you guys want me to give my few critiques of the game, here are here they are. And the main one is the special teams. It was it was bad. You know, you play a great team. North, I know they're ranked eighth, but Peyton Ramsey is not very good at quarterback, as you guys saw. Should have been three interceptions that one late in the game. Xavier Henderson, I'm pretty sure, is pissed that he dropped the one where, um, you know, they had to punt anyway the next play on the 4th and 10. But Ramsey was not very good all night, and that's a lot of credit to the Michigan State D-line. Whew! Let's give credit. I should have put them on the player of the game, the whole D-line. Ah, damn, guys. Has there been a more impressive unit that no one expected than the defensive line? The whole def- the defense has been balling. What I've noticed on the defense so far, I don't mean to get keep going off track, but just had to give them credit. What I've noticed about the defense is either the player on the defense is playing extremely bad or they're playing extremely great. You know, some players that I don't think a lot of us expected to be this good this early, Angelo Gross, true freshman out of Ohio, Corey Robinson said he had him as a top three cornerback in the class of 2020. I don't, I don't, I don't study it like he does, so I trust Corey there. And he's sure as hell looked like a top three corner in the Big Ten, let alone this year. That might be a stretch, but he's definitely been the second best corner outside of Shakir Brown. Or if he's playing safety, I don't know. They're they're to keep rotating him. He's played awesome this year. Antoine Simmons obviously led the game in tackles. I think he had two sacks or something like that. A few tackles for loss. He's played great. Naquan Jones had a phenomenal game last night. So the defense as a whole has been playing really good, especially the D-line. Wanted to give love there where credit's due. Just, Just to be honest, guys. And obviously... This is what I wanted to end this episode on. Also, for those listening, yes, I will add the Alan True episode will be added to this. That's why this episode is longer. I'm waiting for to record that podcast. So for those that are going to stay tuned and listen to that, thank you all. But I wanted to touch on this to end the episode today. And no one, you guys, I, I think you guys would like me to talk about this, so I will. So last week, Mel Tucker appeared on his weekly radio show. And he had some interesting comments, to say the least, about going into next training camp, fall camp, about potential transfers, potential grad transfers Michigan State takes, just transfers, let alone. And I'll I'll read the quote and I'll discuss it. So I, I actually made an Instagram post for those that do remember. And his main comment was, obviously, you can see more movement on this roster, whether it, that is portal related or otherwise. He also said a few other quotes. I didn't write them all down. I just want to give you the basic. So that was the quote from Tucker. And I, you know, I listened to a few podcasts. 
talk to some people because I have no idea, guys. I have no idea how many players he's anticipating transferring or any of that. But I listen to one Michigan State podcast, and I'm not here to blast anyone, but I almost fell out of my chair because there was one guy that said he could see up to 50 new players in this roster next year. 50, like, I mean, I'm expecting a lot, but 50 is a little excessive. Um, also, I know guys, for everyone listening, 50 is going to be like 100 of you guys, but you guys also got to take into account that 25 of those are going to be for the recruiting class, for the 2021 class. So basically, he's, in, excuse me, he's anticipating 25 transfers, which I don't know if 25 players are going to leave this team. Uh, my prediction, I believe at least 15 players will be transferring this offseason. For those that say that's not possible, we've already had two. So just think, 13 more. I know it sounds like a lot, but obviously you guys know Marcel Lewis already left the program, as well as sophomore running back Anthony Williams. I'm going to get a lot of questions. Who do I think is going to transfer? That's not for me to say, guys. That's Tucker's decision. That's the coaching staff decision. That's the player's decision, the family's decision, all their decisions. So I don't know. All I'll say is I do believe you're going to see possibly another running back transfer. I think you're eventually... I know it hasn't happened, but I just think you're going to see a quarterback transfer. I just I don't see all the QBs sticking around, especially with Hampton Fay coming in next year as a true freshman. Um, you know, I don't I don't know who the QB will be. I'd assume if out of any of them, I'll just you know haven't heard specifically, but I would assume it would be Theo Day if a quarterback did end up transferring. Not sure on that. And then what I think you're going to see a lot of transfer from is mostly the offensive line. That's what I really think, believe. Um, and then you're going to hear a lot of transfers' names that you probably haven't heard a lot about these guys' names. But if you guys remember, there's 120 players on this roster. Michigan State's only dressing 75 for road games. And I know people are going to say, oh, that's because of COVID. Obviously, that's a big reason. But that's not the entirely 100% reason. I think the staff believes some of these guys just, I don't want to say aren't good enough to play, but they're just... They wouldn't have recruited some of these players. I'll, I'll leave it at that. No, that's no disrespect to them. The players that they obviously like are playing and all that. But some of the guys' names you might have forgot about, you know, Devontae Dobbs or someone like that, that, you know, people are like, oh, he's injured. <laughs> I haven't seen any reports about injuries. Um, I think they're just not traveling with the team. They're reevaluating their future. I think you're going to see a few offensive linemen possibly elect to leave whether I think that's seniors freshmen I don't know I just think there's going to be three to four at the minimum offensive linemen you see leave and then 15 overall at least at least 15 transfers this offseason um and I just want to end it with this I don't have a damn clue if we're going to take a grad transfer guys I have no idea someone dm me a few times saying they want Dwayne Mathis who just left the Georgia program if you guys remember he was originally committed to Michigan State, decommitted, committed to Ohio State, decommitted, went to Georgia. I think he's a, I don't know if he's a sophomore or junior right now at Georgia, but if you guys remember, he started the first game this year for Georgia. He got pulled at halftime. I know that's Georgia, it's not Michigan State, but I, I just, I don't know about taking a QB transfer like that that hasn't, excuse my language, hasn't proven shit at the other school. Now, if they've proven something at the other school and they've showed a lot of potential, then, of course, I'm all for taking a transfer quarterback. But just to go out there and say, 
hey, we're taking a transfer quarterback just to take him. If 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 that was the case, then that would show a lack of confidence in any quarterback on this roster. And I don't think that's a good sign, as you guys would probably all agree with me on. So thank you all for listening to tonight's episode, like I mentioned and started the episode with. First time Michigan State has won a game in basketball, football, and hockey on the same day since 2001. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the MSU Sports Zone podcast. Today I have 247 Midwest recruiting insider slash analyst Alan True joining me. Thanks for joining me, Alan. Yeah, no problem. So let's get right into it, I guess, the main one. Um, Roquan Buckley just announced his top five last week, and I think he said he has plans to commit December 5th. Um, I saw your crystal balls from Nebraska, but that's from a while ago. So what's the latest regarding him and Michigan State with his commitment? Yeah, the latest is I haven't heard anything that has made me change that pick. Obviously, I'm still on the pick. Mm -hmm. I do know that Michigan State has – trended upward and made that a race. You know, when, when I made that pick, it seemed very certain that it was going to be Nebraska. He's given Michigan State a chance to recruit him. They've done a good job with that. They've built a relationship with him to where I think they're clearly the biggest threat to Nebraska. But at this time, I still think he's going to pick Nebraska. They've had the longer relationship with him. He visited, He's actually visited them more recently than he's visited Michigan State, and that's obviously because of COVID. But he, he went out there just before things shut down. I think it was late January um, that he visited Nebraska. And so that really allowed him and his mom to get comfortable with the idea of leaving the state. So even though Michigan State has made this a race, I still like Nebraska, but you know, there's, there's a week left to go here where they can still try to change that around. And with the prospect like Roquan, do you think, like you mentioned, him knowing the staff longer in Nebraska, do you believe – you know, Tucker coming in later as a bigger impact than people realize in that recruitment? Yeah, no, I, I do think so. And I, I think that also if it was um, a year where he could have visited and gotten to know them more, that would have really helped. Um, and he, he wasn't, you know, they, he didn't have an offer from the previous staff. So he wasn't one of those kids that kind of knew Michigan State and had been up to campus before. So even though he's right there, in Grand Rapids, uh, just over an hour away, he wasn't as familiar with Michigan State as some of the other 22s that had been offered by the Spartans. Yeah, I got you. That is quite a drive from East Lansing when you think about it. But, um, yeah, so going into, I mean, not much about the game, but, you know, obviously Michigan State had a big win yesterday. Do you think that will implicate recruiting moving forward into the coming years in this class with potential flips, or do you believe – you know, a game right now doesn't have that much magnitude on it. Well, you know, I think it always depends on what kind of a game it is. And, and I think when with Michigan State, this is the type of season where anything that shows recruits what's possible under Mel Tucker mm-hmm. is positive. And so when you beat a top 10 team, you pull off an upset like that um, and, and you do it while playing some young guys. Um, I, I think that the, the win will have a significant impact. Um, you know, they, Michigan State's only won two games this year, but you had to pick two to win, beating Michigan and then beating a top 10 Northwestern team that looked like it was going to cruise into the Big Ten title game. So are two pretty good wins to have. So I think you can definitely take that and say to recruits, hey, you know, this is a, a strange year. Didn't get as much time with the team and, and it, you know, installing new things as, as, as much as we would have liked in a different year. But, 
this is what's possible. And uh, this is what the future is going to look like under Coach Tucker. We're going to win games like this with regularity. So I think it's huge to be able to have a game like yesterday's as a selling point. Yeah, and a perfect example of that would be Rayshon Benny. Um, I know he said it didn't matter about, you know, the Michigan game, but it was kind of funny that he made his commitment a week after that game. So that, that could be a big example of that category. Yeah, and I, and I, and I think that even he talk, we talked to other recruits after that game, and um, I, don't, I don't know that anybody expected Michigan State to win that game or win those types of games like the one yesterday yet this year. I think you expected to see – you know, positive flashes from this team, but it was really hard to know what you were getting when the season started. And I think uh, these two wins, like I said, that that shows recruits that um, they're capable of winning big games. Mm-hmm. And obviously going into the next guy, um, JoJo Johnson, he was a high priority for Michigan State. I'm not sure if they recruited him as wide receiver or corner, but he got offered by Notre Dame and committed Basie right away. Um, and I, I'm not asking you to give any um, – you know, I'll just ask the question. So what what do you think that means for Michigan State and Jalen Reed committed to Penn State as it stands? Because I know I get asked a ton. I can only imagine how, how much you get, excuse me, how much you guys get asked on the board. Yeah. So, you know, first, obviously a, a tough loss there with JoJo. I think, do think Michigan State was the team to beat pretty mm-hmm. clearly until Notre Dame came in. But it's a kid who's wanted to play for Notre Dame his whole life. I think it's a, a you're in a good spot though to where defensive back with the number of defensive backs that are already in this class it's not like this giant hole that you have to fill um they're in pretty good shape in the secondary in this class so Mm -hmm. i don't know that like that they're gonna stretch to try to fill that spot now i also don't think jojo's recruitment and michigan state's recruitment of jalen are necessarily tied to each other because Michigan State's been chipping away at Jalen even when they were trying to get JoJo. So mm-hmm. I don't know that those two will affect each other too much. Um, with Jalen, I do know that Michigan State's continued to recruit him. There's always these questions, like you say, people are always asking. There's always these rumors. There's always social media stuff going on with him. But to date, you know, he hasn't said anything that, that makes you think he's not committed to Penn State. He's clearly following their season from uh, his social media posts. So we'll wait and see what happens there. But for the most part, I think that's rumor right now more than anything of substance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the social media just take out of control now. And for the next guy, another flip candidate um, that is a priority of need for Michigan State is wide receiver, Andrew, wide receiver, and then Andrew Anthony. So as you guys all know, he's been committed to Michigan since July 30, 31st, but from some people's perspective, MSU is recruiting them harder than Michigan is right now. So with early signing day approaching in, I don't know, three weeks or so, what chance do you give the Spartans at possibly making a run and flipping Andro? Well, they've been making a run there. He's another guy like Jalen Reed where Michigan State's never given up on those guys. They've continued to recruit them. And uh, he obviously has Ethan Boyd, who's – talking to him and they're they're close and he's in his ear so I, I do think that um the door is open there mm-hmm. it seemed like it was more open a couple weeks ago and then he's been a little bit more positive about Michigan in the last couple weeks one interesting thing I think to note there in that recruitment when he committed to Michigan he was one of several receiver commits then Marcus Allen left the Michigan class and uh, Xavier Worthy now visited Alabama over mm-hmm. the weekend I think that if it depends, I don't, I don't know what Xavier's going to do. If he flipped to Alabama, 
and Andrell suddenly found himself as one of the two wide receiver commits in Michigan's class. That could help Michigan. Um, but as it stands, I know Andrell's been posting positively about Michigan on social media. I still think that I, I wouldn't take that to mean that there's no chance for another school. Um, he had said that he wanted to kind of wait and see how his season went before he made any more decisions with recruiting. But with the season being delayed in Michigan, he's not going to be able to do that. So I think we'll find something out here in the next couple of weeks. But I do know that Michigan State's continuing to recruit him. He's continuing to at least field interest from other schools, but he also remains committed to Michigan. And that's a great point you make about Xavier Worthy because I, I had the same thought yesterday going through my mind um, while he was at that Alabama game. And for those that saw Alabama, you know, just throttled Auburn by 30. And then I had that thought in my mind, you know, if he does end up flipping, Andrew will basically be, I don't know who the other receiver is committed, but it will be him and, like you said, the only two receivers. So, and he grew up a Michigan fan, like you said, or I think his dad or someone said. So that does help a lot like you mentioned yeah and but then and then on the flip side you know michigan state doesn't have a receiver commit in their class so he could be you know go there and be the the only guy um i think he's just kind of waiting i think he wanted to see how the season played out a little bit here not only his own season but see how michigan came around um after the the couple losses and so you know we'll we'll, we'll wait I, I do know that michigan you know wants him in the class they they're still talking to him the commits are still talking to him he came he went up there um, when they had a bunch of commits on campus for an event. So he's still very much a part of the group. And for the next guy, obviously he is committed to Michigan State, but I get a lot of questions about him potentially flipping, as I'm sure you guys do on the board, is Audric Estime. Um, he's had a, I mean, to put into words, a phenomenal senior season, to say the least. Um, many Spartan fans are worried that he, at this pace, if he keeps it up, he's going to earn just – offers from high major schools that could cause him to flip. So what should the concern level be right now for Michigan State fans with Audric? I think cautious, but low. Um, he's He hasn't really taken a serious look at any other schools yet. And I don't know that any other schools have gotten super serious about him yet. A lot of them have kicked the tires, but no one's really put on the full court press yet. I, I think that schools are interested in him based on the season that he's had and also having him on the board in case, you know, you look, I know Notre, Notre Dame, for instance, is one school that has started to reach out a little bit, but they're waiting on Donovan Edwards. So I think a lot of schools are in that boat of, hey, we got, you know, a guy or two that we've been recruiting longer, but we got to get Audric on our board as a plan B option. And so it could get a little bit crazy as we get closer to the early signing period of some of those other guys that are coming off the board. Schools may try to flip Audric late. Um, something that happened exactly with LJ Scott when he was committed to Michigan State, Ohio State um, lost a running back in their class and was trying to, or thought they were going to lose a running back in their class and, and tried to flip him late. But, you know, things like that could happen, but those types of uh, signing day flips very, very rarely work out. So at mm -hmm. the moment, I really don't see a ton of reason for Michigan State fans to be worried, although they do need to keep an eye on it a little bit because he's definitely earned his way to some new interest based on the way that he's played. Yeah, I heard Penn State was interested as well, but I, I heard somewhere that they weren't planning on taking a running back, but obviously with you know a few season-ending injuries, who knows there. Um, and that also is a great point with Donovan because obviously Michigan State fans realize they're out of it with him, but 
if they can keep him away from Michigan and, you know, like you said, if Notre Dame somehow landed him, I, I bet it would, you know, then it would be a guaranteed deal that Audric would sign with Michigan State, like you mentioned. Yeah, and I think he's, you know, he's obviously got Geno, his teammate, committed as well. Um, he's been committed to Michigan State for over two months now. Um, mm-hmm. They run the ball. You know, they feed their running backs. He fits that type of power running game. And so there's a lot of reasons that I, I, I think, you know, all the same reasons that he chose the Spartans are still there. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I wanted to ask you, if you don't know a ton of names, it's all good, but who are some early 2022 names that Michigan State fans should keep their eye on pretty significantly? Yeah, so I've uh, got some early Chris. Tyrell Henry out of Roseville was the most recent uh, two-way athlete kind of guy who um, Michigan State has offered and has recruited. He's talked a lot about how hard they've recruited him. And so he, he's won, obviously, Antonio Gates Jr., I think, was getting ready to pick Michigan State in October. He's delayed things, and I think that's uh, lessened my confidence that he'll end up at Michigan State. But they're still recruiting him. He still likes them. And I think uh, the couple of wins are something that uh, he's noted as well. Um, Braden Bruss from uh, out there on the West Coast in California, he's a guy who uh, grew up a Michigan State fan and got the offer. Uh, kind of wonder actually what he's waiting on a little bit. That was the offer that he really, really wanted. Uh, I think he's taking his time with the process, but obviously with him having grown up uh, around the program and being a fan, he's another one. Jaden Mangum from inside the state. And his brother, Jaron, very yeah. nearly picked Michigan State um, and instead chose Colorado. Jaden's kind of following the same path where he really likes Michigan State, but keeping his options open as well. Alabama just offered, which is a big one. But I think um, Michigan State, obviously, from him being inside the state, but also because Coach Tucker and his staff recruited his brother, they have a, a relationship there with Jaden. And yeah, that, that's a good point you bring up with Tyrell and Antonio because it seems as of now that you know Michigan State's going to recruit the in-state wide receivers tough. If you saw, if as you saw with Andrew, and then going into that class, um, um, yeah, Tayshawn Trent out of East Point. I didn't mention yeah. him as well, but there's several in good in-state receivers. Yeah, I, I was going to actually mention him because. Tyrell, he, you know, he keeps commenting on myself probably because of the big win, but he also said like something about Tayshawn looking, considering the SEC very well. As, well, I'm not sure if you've heard anything about that. but And then you've got Darius Clemens from out in the West Coast also, who uh, I saw at Michigan State's camp, has roots in Lansing. Um, he's another one that uh, – so that they've got quite a few uh, wide receivers on the board in that one. Then Jaden Denigal – quarterback from out there in California he would be a big one composite four-star big strong-armed guy who has uh, Michigan State high on his list also yep yep he's considering us in Utah very highly right now um but that's all I really have to ask um thank you for joining me we finally got it to work after had uh, some trouble the last week scheduling the time but I appreciate you taking time out of your day to join me today Alan absolutely thanks for having me